Welcome to a double shot of branding podcast. We're two brand and web designers who have a passion for all things business design and entrepreneurship. We're here to chat about the highs and lows of owning your own business, the importance of brand design, and how to manage it all. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to A Double Shot of Branding. Today, Caden and I have on a very special guest. Her name is Lindsay Skipworth, and she is an online business manager, or as everybody knows in the entrepreneur space, an OBM, um, or she likes to call herself a director of operations for busy branding and web design studios. This episode is not going to be for brand and web designers specifically, although this is what Lindsay specializes in. I do still think there's a ton of value in hearing what she has to say about how to get your businesses more organized and the kind of role that OBMs play in businesses' lives to make you know everything more easier for you and for you to feel way less burnt out. So throughout this episode, we discuss what is an OBM, what do they actually do, why would a business owner need to work with an OBM, and at what point in your business should you look to work with one, and of course, why project management is important and how organizations and systems help a business owner scale. So stay tuned for this awesome interview with Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi. Yeah, I'm really excited to be on. I appreciate y'all taking the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, So how about we get started by you telling us how you started your business or got into entrepreneurship, what led you to where you are today? Yeah, so I have kind of a roundabout way that led me here. So in college, I actually got a marketing degree. Um, I technically was in advertising. So I was very much so on like brand voice. Um, I have a graphic design minor, um, a UX certification as well. So like I was very much so on like a branding web design track. And I got out of college and I knew even during college and even before college that I wanted to work for agencies. I wanted to have like a diversified portfolio and of people that I worked with. I didn't want to be in like the marketing department for a specific company. Um, I wanted to be, you know, somewhere where I had a broad range of people to work with. And I started working in agencies when I was 15. I started as a graphic designer. So it all made sense to kind of move forward in that space. So when I got out of college, I was offered a, I essentially worked for a a boutique for a little while as an internship. And they offered me a full-time job in their marketing department. And I had to have like a moment where I was like, this isn't really what I want to do, but it makes sense because it was really good pay. I had benefits, but they weren't like a great place to work. I wasn't like loving my work and I really wanted to go out on my own and start my own thing. Um, One of my clients who I've worked with for four years was doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to do branding and web design. I wanted to do it on like a a contractor basis. And so I was like looking at what she was doing. I ended up getting laid off, which was kind of like a sign from the universe that I needed to just go forward with the entrepreneur dream. And I did. And for about three months, I hated it because getting creative feedback or getting feedback on something that I had done creatively, I had no idea what to do with that feedback. I had no idea how to incorporate it. And I very quickly learned that 
doing the creative work wasn't what I actually wanted to do, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I ended up getting an ops job at an agency in the city that I live in. And I figured out very quickly that actually what I really enjoy doing is knowing the project process for agencies. It's knowing what it takes to hire, to do any sort of team management, specifically managing remote teams that are spread across the country, spread across the globe at times, you know, time zones. Um, it allowed me the, the room to grow and to find out that what I actually really enjoyed was the opposite side of things, where I could be creative, but whenever someone was like, hey, I have this problem or this question, I actually knew how to incorporate the feedback and push it forward in a way that was fruitful for the rest of us. So after about two years of working with that agency, I took my business full time and started doing dedicated OBM work. And I've been doing that for about two years now. So I really yeah. loved it. I really enjoyed it. It definitely fits what I actually want to be doing. And how long were you doing strictly design before you decided that wasn't your passion? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like doing it as an entrepreneur, I only did it for like three months. I am very much so like, I like to trust my gut. And eventually it got to the point where I was like, look, my gut is telling me this is not for me. Um, and I, I just had to trust that and go forward. And luckily it was right. And I found what I'm actually like truly passionate in. But um, I would say probably do it a little longer than I did it to figure out if it's right for you. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily like a timetable to do it for, but I would say, you know, at least like six months to like just really give it the old college try and know that you have done everything that you can give for those six months at least. I mean, Feel free to weigh in if you think it should be longer, but I, I definitely think three months is a little on the short side and I wouldn't recommend someone do that. Um, it, I just knew it was right for me. And so I kind of went forward with it. Yeah. Um, I think six months is ideal for sure. I think that's funny that you kind of like stumbled into becoming an entrepreneur because you got laid off from a job because that's exactly my story as well. Like I never nice. imagined myself owning a business. And here I am because I got laid off from a company and I was like, yeah. I gotta do something. So yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> truly born out of desperation. Like I was like, Oop, I have bills. I have to pay for things. Oh God, what now? And then started a business and thankfully I actually really liked it. But yeah, similar. So like leaving the corporate world, it was like, I don't want to, like they, they let me go so easily. And I had given so much like, I'd rather give so much to my own thing and I know I won't let me go. So like, as long as I'm willing to put forth the effort, it'll probably work out. Yeah. It's so much more like fruitful seeing like something that you like wholeheartedly love, like yep. blossom and come to life as opposed to working for other people, um, on something that you like, don't really care about that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So let's chat about like what specifically an OBM does. Cause I feel like this term has kind of floated around a lot in the entrepreneur space. And I know that it means you are a business manager and you kind of help people get organized within your business. But I think there's a lot of confusion around there of like, I only need an OBM when I'm like really successful in my business or if I'm like, you know, five, 10 years into my business. So, um, why don't you explain a little bit more about like 
who like the types of people that you help, are they entry-level business owners? Are they more experienced business owners and what exactly you do for them? Yeah. So I tend to call like, it's like there's OBM, VA, DBM. I'd like to call them like Instagram job titles, because if you leave the online space or you go anywhere that's like corporate or just offline in general, no one's going to know what that means. So whenever I talk to people that either have a more corporate background or because um, a lot of my clients came to me and had no idea what an OBM was, they just knew based on like my service guy that I had what they needed, but they were like, what does that mean? Um, I always describe myself as a director of operations. That's the like very broad term for what I do. And I think what an OBM does and the services that they provide are very heavily dependent on the industry that you are in. So for example, like a OBM for a coach is gonna have different deliverables, different uh, priorities and goals for the services that they give versus a social media manager OBM or a branding web designer studio OBM. So like for a coach, they're gonna be more heavily tech-based. They're gonna be focusing on launch management. Their project management is going to be a, a much higher scale. It's going to be, you know, not just department wide, but it's going to be business wide. So their skills and their focuses are going to be different than say an OBM for agencies. So like for me specifically, you know, I serve agencies primarily, but I have clients that aren't agencies. Um, but a lot of what I do is project management, client communication, team management, hiring, automation, all of the things, pretty much anything that can be used in a way to further your goals or what an OBM can do. Sometimes it gets confusing. So like bringing in a VA, there's the kind of like this old adage of don't make a VA an OBM and don't make an OBM a VA. And there's a little bit of like weirdness around that where um, like I fully believe that a VA can become an o OBM. I was a VA and I became an OBM. But where you get into like a weird spot is that VAs are more task doers, whereas OBMs are more big picture. They set priorities. They set the plans on the back end of a business and then help project manage the team to get it finished. So an OBM would rely on a VA to do the task as part of the project, but the OBM would manage the project. So don't make an, like a VA into an OBM, you're kind of assuming that they have the expertise, the experience, or even the desire to do the work of an OBM, because some people don't want to. Like I've run into OBMs that have gone back to being VAs because they're like, actually I enjoy just doing tasks and like checking things off my to-do list. Whereas if you make an OBM into a VA, you're essentially, you're essentially wasting the time that that OBM should spend on high level, like big picture items to do like inbox management. And from like a profit margin standpoint, you're paying someone like $100 an hour to do inbox management when you could pay someone $25 an hour to do inbox management. So you want to keep your OBM doing the big picture, doing the team management, the hiring, the fixing your systems, the automations, and then keep your VA helping you with tasks, helping you with um, scheduling posts, to help you with doing graphic design, that sort of thing. Whereas the OBM would be more that, that high level. So are you coming in 
like looking for problems to solve or is somebody coming to you with problems already that they have in mind? Yeah, good question. So the way that it typically stands is that when someone's like, do I need an OBM or VA? I typically look at their goals. So if they are burnt out, if they are completely overwhelmed with the work that they've had, they've said yes to too many things, chances are you need a VA before you need an OBM. An OBM can absolutely be a good solution for where you're feeling and kind of where you're at, but that OBM is then going to go, okay, now we're going to hire a VA. So then you're going to hire a VA and you're going to get two team members. But if you're needing tasks to be completed, 100%, I think hiring a VA, you can um, outsource that hiring campaign to an OBM. I do hiring campaigns um, all the time for people that are looking for quality VAs. Um, you can post something on Facebook, you can do Upwork, that sort of thing. All are totally normal venues for finding a VA. But when your goals are, I want to increase my revenue, I want to scale my business, I want to expand my offer suite, that's when you need an OBM. Like it, when your goal is to further your business in various ways, then an OBM is who you need to go to versus I need to get things off my plate so I can then think about expanding the business or think about new offer suites, then you typically need a VA. So I would say when clients come to me, they either have goals and then I'm figuring out how to reach those goals, figuring out if there are any systems in the business that they're missing in order to reach those goals or so it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm looking for problems, but I'm also looking for problems to then meet the goals that they're setting for themselves. So like if their goal is to do X and I find a problem that's causing issues for Y, I will say, hey, this is a problem, but your priority is X. We'll put this on the back burner. We'll fix it later. Let's focus on X and fix those problems and make sure that you're good to go there. So it's a little bit of both to answer your question in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, I think as designers specifically, like this is what I can speak to, obviously, because I'm a designer, but I think, um, you know, we kind of get to a point in the business where we are getting consistent clients and everything's seems, you know, like super happy and stuff, but then you're like stuck. Like, how do I go to the next level? Like, I don't really know what the next step is. Cause a lot of us are not, we don't have like the true knowledge of being a business owner. Like we just want to do what we love doing. And so I think that having that outside perspective, like come in and kind of analyze things that you could improve on to, um, you know, expand your business and make things more seamless is super important. I feel like people kind of get to that mark, at least in my experience of like around like three to four years in, like once they kind of get a good idea of like the services and products that they're set with and they love selling. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with people that have only been in business for a year and, you know, maybe their corporate experience or they had really good connections when they started their business, it kind of got them there quicker. Um, but I, I would say that on average, my clients are in business for around two years before they start to look for an OBM. And a lot of them already have a junior designer or a tech VA or an EA, um, an executive assistant. They typically have someone on their team before they come to me, um, which I think is helpful because 
most of the time, one of the biggest bottlenecks is the CEO's time. And so the first thing I'm going to suggest is bringing on someone to help do those little tasks, like inbox management or updating contracts or any of those like little things that can absolutely be done by someone else. Yeah, for sure. Uh, somebody like you said needs to have a few team members already on because then it would be like a really big investment if they were to hire you and then you were like, okay, well you actually need like a VA, you need a junior designer. Um, we need this. So it sounds like for your um, expertise and for you to like really do what you do best, it's for people who are a little bit more established, maybe have a few team members with them and they're like for sure ready to take it to the next level. Cause I know a lot of times it's like, are, am I ready to go? Am I ready to hire a junior designer? Do I have enough work to hire a junior designer? Do I have enough, you know, tasks for a VA to do, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I very rarely suggest that someone gets an OBM for their first hire, but on the flip side, you know, having an OBM as your first hire, they're going to help set the foundations for your business very sustainably in like a good growth way. Um, like typically when I go into a client's business, there's a, I typically call like my 30 days, like foundations. And a part of that is like stripping back what has been built and kind of rebuilding it in a way that makes sense for where they're wanting to go. So I think if, if an OBM is your first hire, you kind of get around that and you just start out on a good foot but OBMs are an investment. They typically an OBM is much more expensive than a VA. Um, and it's purely because of the experiment. And <laughs> it's, it's the experiment. It's <laughs> purely because of the experience and the expertise that they bring in, that they're able to make such a high impact and give you high value for their time that I think it, it's an investment that should be made but I don't think it should be the first investment that's made. That makes I'm, sense. I'm also curious, um, what would be the advantage of hiring somebody outside of your business, like yourself, as opposed to hiring an OBM to your team who like only works with your business? So like kind of going on the, the project management side as a starting point, I think when you hire a contractor that has a specific like set of services, they've kind of honed those services and they've already figured out the ways to be efficient, the ways to like best serve. And they've got like processes that they follow. So if you were to hire a contractor to do those certain things, they would already have that suite of services kind of figured out. Whereas if you were to hire someone you would need to train them yourselves. You would need to create the SOP library, um, you know, potentially benefits, that sort of thing. But on the flip side, they would be your employee. You would be able to tell them what hours they need to work and what time zone they need to work in. Um, you know, legally, you can't do that with a contractor. So um, I think it opens you up more to have a little more control over the team itself. And you would know that, you know, if it's full time, you would know that they're dedicating all of their time and resources to you as opposed to splitting their time among like multiple clients. But if it were part time, then I think you would run into the same sort of situation where they would potentially have multiple part times or multiple um, kind of virtual jobs that they're working at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So I, I can see benefits, like pros and cons to, to both ideas. You probably come to the table with a lot of ideas already from your other clients that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a big reason why I serve agencies is because they're what I know best. But even, you know, like if something happens with one client, I can go to my other client and be like, hey, I, I have a solution. Like, yeah. I, I just figured it out with this client and now I have a solution for you. Like, and it helps kind of prevent growth pains for other clients. Like by having a roster of clients, I only serve my clients better. And I've got a coach client who tests me in ways that like I don't get tested with. That sounds so funny. <laughs> I love him. But but he tests me in ways that I don't get tested with my agency clients. So it kind of helps, you know, stretch my problem solving muscles and I get to just serve everyone better because I'm learning even other different ways of, of solving an issue and then getting to apply that in an agency model. And it's very interesting. It's, it's cool to see the ways that different industries or different people come at solving issues, which I think you could get by having kind of that part-time team member, because then they are like focused on your business and they get to find solutions only for your business and they have kind of a, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. It does sound like um, both would be advantageous. I think I think it's interesting going the route of a contractor um, like yourself, where you would be able to use ideas from other clients for um, my business if I were to hire you, I think, which is really intriguing because there's only like so much brainstorming you can do within like one singular business. And you like, it's just natural for us to gather ideas and inspirations from other competitors and other businesses out there. So I'm sure that you have like a lot of ideas flowing all the time, like working with a handful of different businesses. Yeah. And especially, you know, in this industry, specifically for branding and web design agencies, you know, VIP days are a thing. So I have multiple clients that have done VIP days. You know, if a client comes to me, it's like, I want to do a VIP day. And I'm like, all right, let me pull up my document. Like, I already know what's needed. I know the team members, like I've got the profit and loss statement. I can, I can, I've got all that kind of figured out. So when it comes to like brainstorming, like, how can I do this? I'm like, oh, we don't even need to brainstorm. Like I've already been through the ringer. We got it figured out and we can just kind of go from here. Um, and that, that really helps, you know, there's a little bit of like an element of not sure, let's try it, let's do the thing. And for a lot of, you know, branding web design agencies, I can just be like, oh, I've done it before. Let's do it. Like, I know what's going to come up. Let's go for it. And like, it, it kind of helps me feel better about trying new things because I've seen those things. It's kind of like that. So like State Farm, it's like, we've, seen a thing or two so we know how to do a thing or two or something <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones who do the old people commercials right yes. <laughs> those are like my favorite commercials of all time the one lately of them cleaning the trash can is just gold <laughs> i love it <laughs> like all of them are just 100 percent my parents yeah like, like you'd oh, watch they're like 50 percent me <laughs> like that's you you see that <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So how about like, uh, I kind of want to get into like maybe specific examples if you can 
of where you have been able to like completely transform a business after getting them more organized, like a little like before and after. I feel like it's kind of probably hard for you and people in your industry to kind of explain like why you can like really transform a business for somebody. So why don't you like help, help break it down for us people? (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it, is I would say, so like KPIs are really important when it comes to having a team, um, which are key performance indicators or like OKRs, like objectives. Um, When it comes to an OBM, those are very broad (laughs) and you can really see it when you like look back, like the hindsight is 2020 and you're doing a bunch of little work, but then you get to kind of see it all come to fruition and and know that you helped. So um, for instance, I have the client, I've worked with her for four years and she and I started, she and I went to college together. Um, we started working together right out of college. She actually started her business in college, which like props to her. Uh, I could not, I had no time. Um, but you know, I worked with her first on like tech support. Like I ran her tech maintenance. I did all of her retainer support and eventually we grew and I took my business full time and I was like, Hey, you know, I have this new set of skills and services that I'd love to apply to your business and see what we can do. So I kind of up, you know, joined her business in a different way, um, more as like a project manager, team manager, like systems manager. Um, she has kind of like a finance business manager. So we kind of like, we do it, um, in tandem, I would say. So with that specifically, one of our first goals was to identify bottlenecks. So she was running into issues where she couldn't take on any more projects. She was working 80 hours a week. Um, client communication was falling through the cracks. You know, deadlines were passing constantly. Clients were upset because they weren't being told like, where is my website that I've paid for? And she's like, I, it's in progress. I just have no idea when it'll be done because I've got way too many projects. Um, and she's, just a wonderful soul who says yes to all the things. So um, it's really good for me to like help identify those because once like we know that they are happening, we're better at kind of combating those. So with those in mind, we were able to identify um, kind of like stress points in the process. And a lot of those were after you get like a home page or interior page mockups approved, development is a beast. And it was always during development that we would start to slow down because three or four projects would enter development around the same week. And she'd be at the same point with each one and trying to make progress on all four of them and then making them all go long. Same with branding. It's okay. Well, we've gotten, you know, the primary logo kind of figured out, but now they want edits on the secondary logo and that's taking forever. So, discerning what needed to be done by her in like a creative director role, we were able to pick out what could be done by junior designers. So she can lead the design, but the development did not have to be done by her. You know, creating the deliverable, does those little tasks do not have to be done by her. So we were able to essentially pick out opportunities for outsourcing that was hours off of like off of her weekly schedule that she could then put into other places. It was identifying um, developers that were missing. So for instance, she wanted to offer um, more platforms and we only offered WordPress at the time, but 
wanted to offer, you know, Shopify and Squarespace and Webflow and show it and all the things. And there was no way that she was going to do that because it was taking up all of her time and then some just to do WordPress. So we were able to, one, identify all the opportunities for outsourcing, identify where the roadblocks and the bottlenecks were, and identify where we wanted to go and kind of get like, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And then to accomplish all of that, we had to do hiring campaigns to find developers that could help us do our what deliverables we wanted. We had to look at our SOP library and our resource library to make sure those developers, when they came in, one, knew their role and were able to answer their questions and were able to train them on what we needed them to do and what we needed them to execute. And by creating that SOP library and that resource library, they're able to execute to their full potential as opposed to like feeling stunted because they have to ask the CEO questions all the time. Um, it also allowed us to, um, you know, look at financial history and forecasting to know what we needed to charge for certain services and what we needed to, uh, you know, what our expenses were, what we needed to cut, you know, expenses that maybe didn't need to be expenses right now. Um, you know, one, one thing that we cut for a little while was like a social media marketer because there were a ton of word of mouth marketing coming in all the time. She was booked up all the time. Like, we didn't need to pay someone $1,500 a month for social media when we were getting all word of mouth referrals and we were trying to focus on more time from our team to help develop an SOP library. So for like three months, we cut that out and now we're like phasing that back in. But we were able to, again, identify the problems and then apply solutions to those problems. So like now we offer WordPress, Shopify, Squarespace, Webflow, and we're going to, um, we're still working on Show It, but that's coming. Um, we have a full template shop that's launched and we offer um, web templates, Canva templates, kind of the whole gambit. Um, all of our project flows are really dialed in. So we know the bandwidth of each of our team members. We know how many projects we can take on at a time because now we can know how many hours does this take this team member? How many, like how many days does it take this team member to execute this deliverable? And then we're able to like stagger project start dates with that in mind so that there's never more than like two on the same phase at the same time. That way we can scale past what we were originally doing. And I think I'd have to look at the specific numbers, but I know that we're doing at least double the amount of projects a month that we were before. And these are, you know, long-term projects, but we're able to um, sustainably and responsibly use our team, use our resources to then expand the, the profit of the business and the profit of everyone as a whole. Um, I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was a lot, but I think it's so helpful to hear like what kind of transformation can happen. I think so many of us business owners are stuck in this place of like, I know that I need help, but I also feel like I can't afford help yet. And I yeah. think that a lot of your clients are probably testament testaments to like, okay, you kind of like sometimes need to spend money in order to make more money. Like there's only so much you can do by yourself. 
I like for sure found this out um, this this past year with hiring my design assistant Daphne on board. Like I'm able to do so much more stuff that I couldn't do before because I was just always bogged down with every single client that I was working with. Like now that she has taken a portion of the load off my shoulders, like I'm actually able to do like marketing efforts that I want to do and host like free workshops and such that I'm doing. Um, so it's definitely like worth it in the end, but I think it's like, you just gotta like leap, leap off that bridge and like get there. Um, but yeah. some people are so stuck and like, I can't hire somebody cause it costs so much money. Um, so I think it's great to hear a story like that of like how, you know, you, you were probably a lot of money for her to hire, but you made things so organized that now she can like double the amount of clients that she's taking in. So it was like obviously worth, um, the time, the money and effort to work with you. Yeah. And when it comes to operations and and investing in your operations, the ROI isn't as obvious. So I think sometimes, um, clients will look at, you know, how, how do I manage or how do I look at your ROI? It's like, well, that's a bigger question. And I feel like the ROI should be more on like an annual basis as opposed to like a weekly or monthly basis, because it's just hard to see there. Um, I think that pretty much any business can benefit from having an OBM um, in any industry, specifically in the online service provider industry, um, coaches, social media managers, branding web design agencies, obviously, like there a lot of times the CEO is more of like the visionary and what you need is like a good compliment is the integrator. It's the person that takes all of the cool ideas that you have and makes a plan and makes them the reality. Otherwise they can kind of get like stuck and they're like stuck in like the, this is really cool phase and never a, this is cool. And now it's done and like working and happening phase. And I think that's where that client was for a really long time. It was, I want to do all these things. I have no idea how to, I do not have the time to do it. Like help me. And I was just like, okay, cool. And then helped her. And now, um, a lot of those things have kind of come to fruition. You know, there were a lot of work, but they're really cool now. And like, things are starting to kind of like run in the back end, um, very seamlessly, like onboarding a client to the client being communicated with to the deliverables happening. Like it just happens so smoothly now and where that was not the case like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we go, I would love to know for our listeners who are kind of in the DIY type of phase of their business, um, maybe not ready to hire a business manager yet. Like what would you suggest that they work on in the meantime to try and get themselves less stressed, a little bit more organized? So if someone is in more of like the DIY stage, I would suggest three things and you can do them in any order, but I think they're all equally as important and equally as necessary to kind of grow and scale a business. So one, getting your finances in order, um, knowing your monthly profit and loss, what are you spending money on and what are you getting money from? Hiring a bookkeeper is like they can be pretty cheap. You can find them on Upwork, on Instagram. Um, I think it's a very worthwhile investment. I have a bookkeeper because I don't know how to use QuickBooks. Um, so I absolutely brought someone on that did. Um, and that, that was really helpful because you can make a lot of decisions 
just from a profit and loss statement. If you're trying to hire a tech VA, but you know that you're only profiting 30% and the rest is going to expenses, you probably shouldn't hire a tech VA. You should figure out what your expenses are, find out what you can cut to make room for hiring a tech VA and include the expense of paying yourself because you want to be able to pay yourself a livable wage and then whatever the extra profit margin is in the company, that's what you can use for other ventures, you know, investments. Um, also, for a lot of companies, getting your customer experience dialed in is really important. This goes from figuring out all the touch points that a customer has with your company, whether that's your Flowdesk email marketing, whether that's your Instagram, your website, you know, it's figuring out all those touch points and making sure that they are true to your brand voice, true to your missions and your value and making sure that all of them are top notch. Like there is nothing worse than your, your emails and your Instagram and your website being like, Ooh, I am so put together. Yay. 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 And then they go to fill out your inquiry form and your scheduler is broken. And then you don't show up to the meeting and like making sure that all of those touch points are really dialed in that, you know, they are working that you've tested, then you can kind of start to build like this brand that people can trust and that they'll come back to and that they're really happy with. I think that's a good first step. Um, is making sure that people are having a great time when they work with your company and doing whatever you can to make their experience as good as possible through systems and communication and project management, I think is a really good start. Yeah, I always say that um, like crafting the client experience is so, so important because you word of mouth is the easiest free marketing you have out there. Oh, so yeah. if you create like an epic client experience, then they're going to refer other people to you. They're going to do the marketing for you. Like you don't have to spend so much time on Instagram because everybody's going to be saying like, you need to work with this person. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's really good advice to work on the client experience and then also finances as well. Um, I feel like Caden and I learned so much about bookkeeping when we had the bookkeeper on in one of our previous episodes and how like empowering it is to know actually how much money is coming into your business. And so then you can say like, okay, I, I do actually have the money to hire a VA or hire an assistant to help me do some of these tasks. And that's definitely something that I figured out this year as well, like from looking at my numbers, like, okay, I can hire somebody onto my team finally to help me um, you know, be less stressed and take over some more of the workload. So I think yeah. those are both, both great, um, things to focus on for DIYers who maybe can't hire out help right at the moment. Yeah. And like hot tip for, um, if you're a service provider, the best way to like encourage customer retention, if you do retainer or customer, you know, they're referring you after your project is to give them a quick win as soon as possible. If it's an actual deliverable as soon as possible, do that. If it's a way to prove like, hey, I'm already making a difference in your business, do that as soon as possible so that they're already on it. They're already hooked. They're already ready to like keep you on for as long as they possibly can and then continue to give them those wins. But I think the sooner you can give them that first quick win, the easier, like one, if you then miss a deadline, 
toward the end, I think they're going to be more forgiving because they're like, oh, they're already worth it. Like they've already sold me. We're good. Like, eh, they missed it. They'll get it next time. And then you get it the next time. I think they're more forgiving if you give them that quick win. But also you're just buying them in for that testimonial afterwards where they love you even more toward the end. And then they're a raving fan. Do you have an example of a quick win? (laughs) For instance, if your service is providing copywriting, if, you know, one deliverable is, you know, potentially creating, you know, maybe it's not even something that you promote or sell as a different service, but if making like a brand guide kind of cheat sheet or, you know, kind of like a quick document that maybe you and your client can reference to know what their brand voice is. Or if you're a social media manager, maybe it's creating um, kind of like a, not like a branding guidelines, but like a document that shows like, here's how I intend to use your brand. Here are the types of designs that I'm going to do. Just like a quick way to show like I'm working. Here's the quality of my work. Here's the caliber of my work. Um, And then giving that to them as a way to be like, oh, cool. Okay. Like it doesn't even necessarily need to be what the final deliverable is. So like, I'm not saying give them their primary logo within two days because that sounds crazy, but it's giving them something to prove. I know what I'm talking about. I'm prepping for your project. I know how to take you from here to there and give it to them within maybe like the first seven days of the project. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even, it can be something heavily templated too. It can be something you create and then you just drop in little information for each project and then give it to them. It can take you an hour. Yeah, like totally just shows that you're putting a lot of intention behind this project and working together and like trying to make the experience super special for them. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people do this as well with like client welcome guides that are kind of like a surprise to the client. Um, Specifically, I try to, if I'm doing a brand project that's going to be lasting a month or so, I try to give them um, the mood board like right off the bat so that they can get like a little snippet of what's to come. And then, you know, I take a couple weeks after that to actually start getting them the logos, but that's better than them just like sitting around for a few weeks. Like, okay, where is everything? (laughs) Just like hoping and like waiting and like just praying that you got what you needed from your onboarding call and that you actually know what they're looking for. So the quicker you can be like, I heard you, I saw you, here's what I heard. It's correct. Yay. And then finish out the project on the timeline that you've set for them. And a a welcome guide is a really good way to communicate those timelines and also give them links to everything that they need, like to pay invoices or to book a call or um, to like their client portal if you're using one. Um, I, I really like using those welcome packets. It's a good way to elevate the customer experience and to help that communication. Even if they have to supplement it themselves, you know, they're still finding that information and are able to use it. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell everybody where our listeners can find you if they're interested in working with you or following along with you on socials to learn more about you? Ah, absolutely. So my name is Lindsay Skipworth um, and I'm Lindsay Skipworth everywhere. So I have a website, lindsayskipworth.com, but I'm also lindsayskipworth.obm on pretty much every social media outlet. Um, I have an amazing social media manager that makes sure that I stay very Uh, on top of all of my socials. So I'm always there. Um, I'm on stories pretty often, so you can always kind of find me. Um, I love to have coffee chats and I like to, you know, talk to other industry professionals. So even if you just have questions very like high level, reach out to me and I'll be happy to chat through it. 
Lindsay's uh, brand is also really fun. I enjoy your post. (laughs) I did it myself. So that is very high praise. Thank you. You know, I'm like, I'm such a neutral type of modern brand designer, but I really appreciate like a good, fun, like bright branding as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun to do because I wanted to do something very colorful. Yeah. I just found like the brightest, like retro color palette. And I was like, that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to a double shot of branding and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. We will see you guys next time.